0: So we're just going to go ahead and get started. Um, We've got Ryan Ebos going to join us later on uh, in the conversation. And uh, for audio purposes, just since this is going to be a full house, uh, we'll go ahead and give a quick name and introduction for you guys, just so people can uh, have a distinct uh, ear for your voices. So uh, Dave, if you'd introduce yourself and tell us a little about yourself. I'm usually better with questions, but uh, I'm David Knorr.
1: Um, I taught guitar at Pinkston Music for um, calculating it about 23 years, I think, from 94 to 2017. Mm -hmm. James?
2: All right, I'm James Pinkston, and uh, Jim Pinkston was my dad, so pretty easy relationship there. (laughs) And we decided
0: to do this podcast because it was about a month that I recorded. podcast I did with your dad uh, and it was one that I was very excited to do and uh, very happy that he took his time out to kind of sit down with me and of course I mean we had a fantastic conversation and it ended up being one of my favorite recordings you know that I've ever done and then just looking around after you know I've been playing guitar since I was 15 I'm 28 now And I've never had any real, like, formal lessons. So I just started looking around, looking around everywhere, asking people, uh, putting Facebook posts out there and everything. And just from proximity of where I usually operate out of and, you know, where I reside and everything like that, uh, Dave was just kind of the guy who I went to first and uh, have started, you know, just kept going to for lessons and everything like that. Uh, I don't think not knowing that you were, you know, used to be associated with Pinkston's and had that kind of root. Uh, and then, of course, you know, I had some issues with my guitar, and you recommended Ryan, who uh, was in the same building, and, you know, me and him recognized each other's from Pinkston's, and, uh, you know, so we all had that kind of mutual connection without knowing it, and uh, just thought it would be really cool to have us all sit down and kind of, uh, you know, remember your dad and maybe dig a little bit more into his life through your guys' experiences and um, James I know you know growing up with him I mean what was it like
2: growing up with your dad he he was very wild you know you never really knew where he's gonna come at you with and uh, just really fun to be around but incredibly insightful so the guy he was on the music store floor He'd walk through the threshold of uh, back of the music store to the apartment, and he'd kind of reflect on the day and really start picking things apart and, you know, a very different side of him. Because mm-hmm. um, most people kind of describe him as like more manic and over the top. And then, you know, when you kind of get the real him, very kind of quiet and introspective.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And how did how did growing up with him influence the way? What what do you do? Like what? I don't know. You know, you're you're the person out of the three here that I know the
2: least about. So tell me a little bit about what you do. Okay, I'm a psychotherapist, so I do a psychological testing and uh, therapy through the day, uh, working with, pretty much with all age groups. So I'm the guy that kind of picks you apart. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and you the only son? No, I have a brother. Uh, he's in the army, and he's somewhere in the Middle East right now. He has one of those jobs where he can't always say where he's at. He's yeah, and in,
1: in, he's in an ice cream truck in the middle of the desert. <laughs> really? Yeah. Well, that's
0: not a bad place to be if you're going to be out there. <laughs> yeah, uh, I would be pretty happy to be in an ice cream, not only because it's cool, but because you're surrounded by ice cream. Right. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, well, cool. So, did you spend a lot of time growing up in the store? Working with your dad at all or? or?
2: Uh, Well, I started off at Anniston Elementary, which is the little elementary school right behind the music store. So after school every day, that's pretty much where I'd go because it was such close proximity to the school. And as I got older, I started wanting more things. My dad's like, chop, chop, get to work. And before you knew it, I was working at the music shop. And then I went off to college and every school holiday, it's, hey, what you want for Christmas? work it off at the music shop (laughs) Mm -hmm. you know it was always some new piece of gear I needed yeah you probably had an above average um,
0: experience with work ethic discipline and things like that I would imagine
2: most definitely Um, you know watching him run his business and what it took and just getting up every day and doing it I think it's how I've gotten as far as I've gotten like currently I'm in a PhD program working full-time and you know trying to get this music shop closed down and you know no problems doing any of it yeah that's great and
0: uh so what is the status with the store right now can you talk a little bit about that
2: yeah so we've been closed for a little bit uh i have a lot of the stuff on ebay that's shippable but we have a good bit of like professional pa that's just so large that you know you can't sell it online because you would lose so much in shipping uh, and he passed away right before school band season started. So I have just a huge amount of violins. Mm. So I'm hoping that in this next couple of weeks as kids go back to school, I can get some of these violins unloaded and uh, some of this PA over time. But uh, right now it's just that slow trickle of gear uh, until we can get the building sold. Okay. Do you have any
0: uh, kids' violins by chance?
2: We do. Lots of them. Okay. I might I might
0: have to come Do you take people, just walk, like... Walk in or by appointment, kind of thing, or
2: usually how? by appointment. You know, they'll kind of contact the Facebook page or something like that, and we'll make sure they look like a real person and kind of meet them down there. Okay, yeah, I might
0: talk to you a little bit about about that afterwards. Cool. So, Dave, what is your experience? Can what are your roots with with Pinkston, and how did you get started with him? And tell us a little bit about that.
1: Wow, that's quite a long time ago. Um, I had. A student named David Ratcliffe when I was teaching at Mississippi Music, you know, back between 90 and 94, that's 1990 and 1994, Uh, and he would always come in and talk about three things. He would talk about Megadeth, Jackson Guitars, Pinkston's, and a fourth thing, Taco Bell. And he would always talk about Pinkston's and how cool of a music store it was. And at that time, Pinkston's was across the street in the really small... uh, Store that he opened up first, and um, so I just went down there one day to meet him and just to check the store out. And I walked out with a Jackson guitar. So there's Jim selling his salesman expertise. Yeah, you know. And then you know, one thing led to another, and we started talking about his new store that he was going to open. He needed teachers to teach guitar or whatever, and and we kind of worked out. A, a deal with the studio rent and all that kind of stuff that was too good for me to refuse. And uh, so I jumped ship and came over to Pinkston's. Nice. Nice. And I think when I went to the, the old store for the first time, I remember Jim being behind the counter and his, his wife and some, I don't know if it was you or your brother who was in the little baby seat.
2: Would have been crying me? their head off because we opened up right when we got down from Memphis yeah I think little Jason was right when we were about to move over across the street because he's about three years behind okay
1: so that was probably you then
0: and how uh, did did the store live up to your expectations after your friend had talked about it so much when you made the transition did you slow slowly start to yeah this is a pretty cool place. Yeah,
1: well, I mean, I had a really good selection of guitars. Uh, more, probably more so than a lot of the other music stores in the area. And I think that's something that he carried on throughout uh, the life of Pinkston's, mm-hmm. was the guitar selection. Yeah. So I was very impressed by that, being a guitar player. And like I said, I walked out with a Jackson guitar. Uh, and, you know, I've always been a big fan of music stores I would always go to visit them and grew up visiting them and you know I, I just enjoyed the experience of being in one you know mm-hmm. I never really tried to pass judgment on in a derogatory way or anything like that yeah you know I wasn't too picky about it I was just glad to see guitars and strings and picks and s- stuff
0: yeah and loud amplifiers loud amplifiers. <laughs> yep yep uh, I see this fan isn't on. I'm going to go turn that on real quick. And then I'm also going to uh, grab an extra battery for. Uh, I usually have a run a second recorder just in case. You never know when things could go wrong. So, may actually be charged on that. But,
2: uh, yeah, I'll check that real quick.
0: So, uh, what were your first experiences uh, teaching in, in general? Well, wow, that goes way back. Um, were you just teaching people who were just, you know, like, saw that you played and then a friend of a friend or something asked if yeah. you could teach or you d- did lessons?
1: Well, I th- I, it basically started when, you know, the band I was in would have open band practices and people would come in and watch us play. And, you know, some people would be curious about what I was playing and they would ask me if I taught or if I could teach them that and that's kind of how it got started Um, and then at one point the band I was in moved out to California to Los Angeles and we had uh, like eight people living in a two-bedroom apartment in downtown Hollywood and we didn't play a note together the whole time we were there because everyone was out looking for jobs Um, some of the guy the older guys in the band already had a job this is a long-winded story, by the way.
0: No, it's fine. We've got time. We're still waiting on Ryan, right? So we're just
1: getting um, warmed up. So the younger guys, we would go out and walk walk the streets every day and go put job applications in and different places. And then uh, we finally found a music store. It was actually the Carvin dealership in on Santa Monica Boulevard. And um, one thing led to another, and I was like, "Well, gee, why don't I start teaching out here?" Mhm. You know. Uh, Kind of presumptuous, I guess. I mean, trying to... A guitar player from Mississippi coming out to Los Angeles and trying to teach guitar in Hollywood. (laughs) I'm sure there's a lot of competition there. Yeah. Um, But I drew up my own flyers and started putting them out in downtown Hollywood at the different, you know, rock and roll clothing stores and things like that. And, well, things took a turn for the worse as far as the band relationship went, I guess being eight people in a two-bedroom apartment. Mm Mm-hmm. And we decided to split up and, you know, the younger guys came home. But the day before we left, I got my first call for a student. And I was like, sorry, I'm going back home. You know, I was like 17 years old and scared to death yeah. <laughs> of downtown Hollywood because at the time it was kind of a scary place. Yeah. Um, so then I came home and got more serious about teaching and started teaching at the time uh, at my parents' house. And then at one point uh, the guitar teacher at Mississippi Music was moving to California of all places. Uh, and so there was a vacancy at Mississippi Music. So my mom brought the uh, classified ad to my attention and said, you ought to go check it out. She just wanted me out of the house is what it was. Yeah. But um, so I got the job there. And then as far as my teaching career, that's pretty much the rest is history. Yeah.
0: And how long have you been at the location that you're at
1: now? Um, At North School of Music? It's Mm -hmm. been a little over a year. So we opened up that on May 1st of 2017. And prior to that, I was at Pinkston's for 23 years. And prior to that, I was at Mississippi Music for
0: four years from 90 to 94. So you guys have known each other for almost like all that time? Yeah, he was a student.
2: Yeah. Oh, Okay. Jason, too, for a minute. yeah, he was. yeah, he
1: <laughs> Jason took bass
0: lessons. you took guitar lessons.
1: Yeah. Uh, and as it turns out, a lot of my students, or I should say a lot of Pinkston employees were students of mine,
2: really. yeah, well, that's how my dad would end up hiring new people. He would kind of eye the lessons couch and go, okay, this is a good kid coming in with a good family. I've got a chance to know them all. And that's how he would vet who he wanted to hire in high school. And he'd look for people that were going to go to JD for about two years. And so he'd get about a four-year life out of these young guys and just kind of cycle them out that way. But he's always kind of stealing them from Dave going, all right, I've had a chance to know who this person is versus you know, John Smith and it's just a resume and everyone's kind of putting their best foot forward. He'd see him week after week after week and go, this guy shows up. He's consistent. <laughs> mm-hmm. Let's give him a job. Yeah. yeah.
1: And on the other hand, I would have students ask all the time, you know, "How do? I, what do I have to do to get a job here? Because I thought it was just the coolest place in the world.
0: Yeah. 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 So did your
2: family go up a lot to Memphis? Yeah, they would go up a good bit because that's where my dad's from. But, yeah. Well, you know, from the recording. Yeah. Uh, and my dad would try to make it a few times a year, and he would just kind of, I guess, overdose on barbecue. Uh, he'd go every May for uh, Memphis in May, which was like a one-week uh, barbecue fest, and and he'd go for it. <laughs> yeah.
1: yeah, I remember him bringing back barbecue from Memphis. He said, "Come on back, Dave, to the kitchen and have some of this Memphis barbecue. It's the best thing you ever had." Yeah, I never had coleslaw on a barbecue sandwich, but I tried it for the first time, and it was. pretty pretty darn good
0: yeah yeah so what was your dad like at home did he did you see feel like he brought work home with him or um you know what kind of stuff would he do to stay in the business mindset if he you know chose to do that did he ever like read about um
2: you know was he a big reader of like business books or anything like that Uh, Well, he typically wouldn't bring work home with him. Uh, You know, when he was at work, he was at work. When he was at home, he was watching the History Channel or trying to take his mind off work. Mm -hmm. Uh, You know, typically he'd stay after work for an hour or so, and that's kind of when he would digest the day and kind of theorize what's happening up front and what do I need to be doing to kind of accommodate for that. Mm -hmm. Uh, So he had good separation of work and home, which is, you know, needed (laughs) yeah
0: did you ever think that you were gonna follow his footsteps and be a businessman or do something
2: in the music industry or the entertainment industry there was a large push for me to do that growing up uh, until about high school and that's about when the economy started going down and retail started getting real kind of bad as far as uh, Matt pricing the catalog magazines the internet and you know my dad's looking at me and the grades I'm making in school and he's going son get out of retail go medical go medical go medical I don't want you doing this so even from uh, that time on he saw that the music industry really had a, a limited time left that you know you could be a independent music store that size with mm-hmm. everything going on and so that shift really changed and Uh, I think that was kind of a sign of the times for him. Mm -hmm.
0: Yeah, because that was probably the biggest topic we discussed on our recording together was the fact that... um, I remember him saying, if it's it's any kind of industry where Walmart or Amazon can do it better and
2: faster, don't get into it, which covers a lot of ground. Yeah, I mean, it changed his life. Uh, Joe Metronola, he was a... uh, a sales rep for one of the big um, i want to say it was maybe sure microphones and uh he brings this conversation up a lot where he puts his arm around my dad and tells him hey guys you know this is the gold rush these are the golden days right now enjoy it and you know my dad at that point i think kind of laughs and goes yeah 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 you know whatever uh but you know joe even saw it back then with you know uh the magazines and everything else selling stuff cheaper than what a lot of dealers could buy and Mm. you know not too far down the road it became a reality and you know his eyes were open and was like wow you know it really is a whole new world Mm. so do you still play guitar Uh, not as much as I should (laughs) my day gets so filled up with everything else that it's one of those things that I do to just kind of turn my mind off more than actively playing guitar like I should be yeah So he has a guilty conscience, because he said, not as much as I should. Exactly. All those years of going,
1: you've got to practice, practice, practice.
2: Yeah, you know, I (laughs) I got this Paul Reed Smith in the corner kind of winking at me going, come on, man. (laughs) Yeah.
1: (laughs) Beckoning.
0: Yeah. It's amazing how much fun something can be and, like, uh, can take you out of the regular day-to-day, but... You could surround yourself with guitars and still not find the time to actually, like, pick it up and play on it a little bit. But once you do, you know, then you want to stay there for, like, an hour or two, you know. Or all day. Yeah. Yeah, when I first started playing guitar, that's what it was like. I Probably because, in, in particular, I was, like, trying to figure out so many things. And, you know, uh, I had so much room to improve on all different grounds because I sucked at everything. So I remember uh, playing just in my bedroom for, you know, two or three hours in high school back when I didn't have near as much responsibility or worries and mom's cooking dinner and, you know, if my homework's already done, you could just throw yourself into it, you know. Uh, it's like guys like Darren Malachi from System of a Down talking about, you know, playing six or seven hours and then his, his parents telling him, like, you need to come eat. You know, so it's yeah. just so much fun, you know. I miss always, it sometimes.
1: I'd always practice before homework if I ever got my homework done. I shouldn't be saying this to <laughs> all my students out there. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I remember practicing after school for five or six hours and having my parents, my dad especially, tell me it's time to go to bed. And he would have to tell me several times.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah.
1: So I was. I would say it was beyond devotion for me. It was uh it was an illness. I
0: just had obsession. to have obsession. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. An unhealthy obsession. Do you feel like that benefited you in the long run?
1: Yeah. Um just by gaining skill and knowledge, um, definitely helped out with teaching mm-hmm. a whole lot. Yeah.
0: And do you when, you when you have somebody new come in, do you usually assess them where their level is at and just try to figure out how to approach a lesson plan with them? Oh, definitely. Uh, yeah. You
1: definitely want to spend at least most of the first lesson. And I've actually gotten pretty good at that over the years, you know, assessing pretty quick where someone's at and mm-hmm. what direction they want to go in, and really establishing a, a foothold and moving forward. Mm-hmm.
0: And what other stuff do you like to teach besides guitar? You do bass stuff. Yeah,
1: I teach bass. Um, I love teaching bass. I love playing bass. At uh, one time, I was teaching piano. That was one of the first instruments I ever played, and I really do love piano. I, actually, I almost gave up guitar, guitar for piano when I was really super into piano about 15 years ago. Um, but I'm also getting into teaching ukulele and mandolin now. But aside from, you know, Guitar, I really like to teach composition and music theory and improvisation. Mm. Like, actually, I have uh, a piano student who's learning jazz improvisation and theory and a saxophone student who's doing the same. Actually, Mm. two saxophone students. And I try to... Well, I don't try to, but I mean... At some point, I really like to get my students into composition because I love teaching that so much. Yeah. And I think the method I have for that yields really good results not just, not just for songwriting, but for like instrumental composition. Mm-hmm. Yeah. If I could do that all the time, if I could have enough students to do that all the time, I think that's what I would prefer doing.
0: Mm. And you, do you create a lot of the material templates and. Oh, all of it. You, you create yeah. all of it and you've got books that you've written oh, yeah. on different Uh, components, different subjects and things like that? Yeah, I have about five or six
1: books out that I've published and there's other books on the way uh, but I have just like almost 25,000 files of teaching material on my computer that I've created Mm. that's highly organized and uh, ready to go.
0: Yeah. And what kind of stuff do you like to do in your free time if you're just going to play around with a musical instrument or you know, whatever is there something in particular that's really got your fancy right now?
1: Um. Well, I. it's one thing that I've learned over the years is that you have to maintain if you want to be a professional musician and stay stay working. You have to maintain a certain practice schedule, a daily practice schedule to keep your chops up or even yeah. hopefully get better than what you are now. Mm-hmm. So I always try to get in at least four hours of practice a day. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and uh I wish I could do more. <laughs> but with having an 8-month-old baby and yeah, it's not the easiest thing in the world to do. Yeah. Um but I do really enjoy working on the the teaching business. You know, working on the curriculum and and writing all that stuff and hopefully finishing some more books. Mm. And that's actually one of my favorite things to do is to work on that and just listen to music for hours. And uh, aside from the practicing when I do have time, I like to compose and record as much as possible.
0: Yeah. So how much time would you say you spend teaching a day, instructing? Um,
1: about five or six hours, probably. Mm-hmm. Mostly Monday through Friday. And sometimes I'll teach on Saturdays, mostly make up lessons on Saturdays.
0: Mm-hmm. And you occasionally do gigs and stuff. You've got a band...
1: Yeah, I have a jazz trio. Sometimes we do a quartet with a saxophone player. And I play guitar in the Coast Big Band. And I have a Led Zeppelin cover band named Ten Years Gone.
0: and we. I did not know you were in that band. Yeah. Uh,
1: all the members of that band are in other projects, and they're, everybody's really busy, so it's really hard to get together. So we get together about once or twice a year. Yeah. We've been doing that since about 2015. Do you all have your next show planned out yet, or...? Um, we're starting to look at the fall. We usually play in the fall, mm. you know, and so we're probably looking at booking some stuff. Usually, the Sky Bar and Biloxi and some of the festivals mm. around here.
0: Nice. Like,
1: I think one of our first gigs was at the Gulfport Main Street Festival. Yeah, I think that's what it was called.
0: and You've yeah. been doing that since twenty fifteen. Fifteen. Yeah. Nice. I'll have to check that out.
1: Yeah, we have a promo video on YouTube. you can check out okay and there's if you look around well actually we also have a facebook group so if you get on the facebook group you can catch some of the videos that people have recorded at our performances nice most of most of them are pretty good (laughs) most of them but led zeppelin is is pretty tough i mean it's not the easiest music in the world to play yeah uh, so that's kind of one of the reasons why I like doing it, because not only did I grow up listening to that music,
0: but it's very challenging, even t- till t- today. I mean. Yeah. So what kind of music are you listening to right now, generally? Um,
1: I listen to a lot of different stuff. Uh, as of today, the last two days, I've been listening to this new progressive metal band named Ice Fish that features Virgil Donati on drums and Marcos Fogli on guitar. And... Uh, bass player who also sings, who I've never heard before but he's really good, and a keyboard player that I think used to play for Dream Theater, I don't remember his name, but it's really good music. Well, other than that, I listen to all kinds of stuff like jazz, a lot of classical, I haven't really been into Ralph Vaughn Williams, or that, I guess if you're into classical music, his name is Rafe Vaughn Williams, uh, Is one of my favorite composers. And I really try to keep it open mind, I try to listen to all kinds of different things.
0: I'm guessing progressive progressive bands are a really good band to draw on for, like, if you want good musical talent, um, you know, non-linear song structures and things like that. It's just, to me, they're always a little bit harder to find because not, they're not as mainstream, you know, not as people don't talk about them as much. You know, people like Dream Theater or, um, you know, tool if you were to consider them progressive which I kind of do especially their yeah. later works but um, and of course progressive in it's own right is just a term you know and it has varying degrees and stuff like that but um, yeah I love Ice Fish I'll have to check them out
1: yeah definitely a great band I would highly recommend them. And of course there's good progressive music and there's bad progressive music right uh, but what I like about Ice Fish is uh the drummer, Virgil Zanotti, is like one of the greatest drummers on the planet right now. And and in one song, he'll play like every possible rhythmic concept from the book of Rhythm Theory, but make it groove and play it all in the pocket. Yeah. And then everybody's following along and really playing really tight, and they have, just have some great music. What are they, like a Nordic band? No, I mean, they're all from different parts of the planet, like the guitar player from Italy. Uh, I guess Virgil Zanotti was probably from Italy kind of talks like it mm-hmm. has a foreign accent yeah uh, I guess they're from you know all parts of the planet pretty much yeah which is the way things are pretty much these days yeah and, and that style of music yeah it's not like you have all five guys coming from you know some town in Michigan
0: right you know they're I don't know whenever I think of like guys that can really shred like borderline metal stuff and progressive it's like Finland and Iceland and like Nordic folks and stuff. Oh like yeah. That. Yeah. I don't know what it is about that those regions. They're just like more extreme or something like that.
1: Well the weather's really bad. It's really cold outside so you tend to stay inside more and play guitar.
0: Yeah. Or whatever instrument it is you're playing. Yeah. I think of a uh, Death Clock, if you ever watch oh, Metalocalypse yeah. uh I think of those guys and a lot of times.
1: Matthias Eklund He's a great guitar player. What's his name? M- Matthias, or Matthias, M-A-T-T-I-A-S, M-A-T-T-I-S, Eklund, I think it's like E-K-H-L-U-N-D. He has like a, a guitar camp that he has every year or two in Sweden or Norway, one of the, in that general vicinity. Mm-hmm. Uh, but he's a solo artist. He, doesn't, he does guest work a lot, but I don't think he's ever actually played in a famous band but I uh, didn't have to yeah everybody knows who he is it's in the guitar community pretty much yeah
0: you ever listened to the uh, Mars Volta
1: briefly when they were popular I mean I had a couple students come in that wanted to learn their songs mm-hmm and I, I'm sure I had their name on my list of things to listen to that I never really got to
0: yeah I highly recommend them they're one of my favorite bands they don't have a whole lot of albums but their earlier works their later works are kind of uh different not as agreeable with them but the drummers though uh, I think one of them's name is Troy I think it was on the Deloused album and then um another guy his name might be Cedric he was on Bedla- Bedlam and Goliath album uh he's pretty gnarly he was like I remember a lot of people talking about just how gnarly his drumming was, and that Mm. he was supposed to be like a drumming prodigy. Uh, Songs like uh, "Goliath" are really good, kind of showcase him. But they're they're a cool kind of progressive type band, and I feel like uh, they touch. They have like a lot of elements to them that I like. Uh, You know, the singers kind of got like a they're like a Led Zeppelin crossed with Pink Floyd on speed and it's just like, there's like Italian or uh, Latina influences there It's all different kind of stuff but um, yeah really cool band
1: uh, another guitar player you should check out is Tim Miller, more or less a jazz player, he comes from the Allen Holdsworth School of Playing but kind of takes it to the next level and has a really more modern sound, yeah Tim Miller I know there's tons of players out there that are really good. Mm hmm Just like, you know, back in the day in in the 80s, um, there was a big boom in in shred guitar, and there was always that thing, you know. There's somebody practicing in their bedroom somewhere who's way better than you are. But now everybody's on YouTube, so you can see everybody. (laughs) Yeah. So it's fun to catch all these videos of these great, great
0: players. Mm hmm Absolutely. Um... Just curious, anybody heard from uh, from Ryan? Any uh, word update was, on
1: him? Yeah, he texted me a little while ago and said, this is turning out to be a great afternoon. Looks like Lorraine Road Bridge is blocked off, and they did oh, it within yeah. the last five minutes. He's
0: no, been- no, it's been that way for a couple of hours now. Yeah. Uh, yeah, my... Um, I was out somewhere, and my roommates met me, and they told me that that was the case, which I took it to get to where I was going, so it must have happened within... A couple of minutes of when they left out, and that was a couple hours ago. So, and I, sh- I meant to text you guys, but I figured y'all, you know, you and him, you two probably all kind of in the Gulfport region probably wouldn't need to. I didn't didn't think anybody would have to cross that bridge. But yeah, he'll probably have to go around a forty nine or Pop's Ferry, huh? Yeah, that's that's a long endeavor divert- <laughs> Yeah, diversion. yeah. How long ago was that that he sent that? That was. quarter after 6 about 30 minutes ago ok he should be around anytime um what about you James what's your music consumption like these days
2: uh, I go through phases as well growing up in the music store kind of gave me a, a wide appreciation uh I did a lot of jazz guitar stuff when I was uh younger uh right now I've kind of gotten back into Dave Matthews just cause he happened to in Jackson Mississippi not long ago and finally got to catch him live so that's kind of restarted that but I think a lot of what I listened to otherwise is a lot of the New Orleans stuff like John Cleary or the Meters a lot of the, a lot of that more funk music yeah you get out to many festivals or anything like that I get out to a lot of them I still have a place in New Orleans so I pretty much go there to uh, escape most weekends uh, oh nice because I do a lot of uh patients and psyche evals and stuff like that it's really hard in such a small area like Gulfport, or biloxi to go out without running into people that you see clinically and so by having a place that you can kind of escape to on the weekends you can kind of really go out and don't have to worry about oh gosh who's seeing me out do i need to put this beer down or you know whatever the case may be
0: mm-hmm.
2: yeah so what was your training like to do what you're doing now uh, it was four years of undergrad, and then I did about two years at Tulane, and I'm in a doctorate program through Tulane right now. Okay. Uh, so I started off working in an inpatient hospital. So to be considered kind of crazy in New Orleans to that level, it takes a lot because New Orleans is so eccentric as it is. Yeah. Uh, and then I came over here working with children for about three years, and a private practice snagged me over in uh, Ocean Springs where – I got to work with a lot more high functioning adults with all sorts of different things so it's really interesting kind of looking at the coast through the lens of the things people don't want to talk about so when you go out and you go oh that person has A, B, C, or D going on it's just a completely different way of evaluating things the man of the hour there he is come on in
1: we are live
0: yeah we're, we're live man so just so you know Feel a little, uh, Vegas. <laughs> Pull on up. Is that
1: a GoPro camera? It is, yeah.
0: Very nice. Oh, just for you. Ryan Ebos at the table now. Guilty as charged. me.
3: Yes. Oh, grazie.
0: Oh, I'm sorry. I forgot to. Uh, if you want to just undo it and I'll plug you in right here. Plug
3: you, plug you in. You. Appreciate
0: it. So, which way did you? <clears throat> Man, get here.
1: I got a little bit of road
3: rage. I'm not gonna lie. <laughs> <laughs> get all 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 the way up to the bridge and i guess it was um stuck open and Mm. the guys were just putting the big concrete things out front but enough about uh my travels on the way up here in my almost um road rage lots of profanity i'm sure exactly it was just me in the car so
0: (laughs) yeah and i I sure i was i was somewhere i went somewhere this morning and took the lorraine bridge and it was open Mm And then I had some um, some friends meet me out, and they went that way, and they found out it was blocked, and that was at like I want to say two or 2. 30, 3 o'clock, something like that. Really? Yeah. So I had to take Pop's ferry coming back, and then I thought I should let them know, but then you know I thought everybody in Gulfport With, I was like nobody probably going to take that bridge.
3: Well, um, I mean it was it was odd. It seemed like maybe they might have got it working, and then yeah. um, and then it messed up again
0: yeah which one of the bridges was hit by a barge like a year or two ago
1: you remember that i think that was the one on cameron Way rain road
3: i think that was too i guess they didn't yeah. see the bridge it jumped out in front of them yeah exactly <laughs> oh my god what happened? yeah he was
0: yeah <laughs> so uh so we've been kind of just chatting chit-chatting here y'all were talking um, smack about me i know I'm yeah <laughs> getting it all out of the way we were happy that you were so late you gave us plenty of time they had a lot to say i didn't realize <laughs> that's
3: why i love this guy he plays along he knows the deal, you know. um no we were
1: we really were I believe, I believe
3: gosh i'll check it out on youtube later. he knows a lot about you he does he knows a lot more know, we, he, know, he, we know all the
1: dirty secrets look what, he, look what he does for a living he knows a lot more than yep. he's letting on he can know everything <laughs> just by looking at you yeah
0: but we were talking about you know uh, time in, in Pinkston's store and everything like that uh, can you give us a little bit of background about how you kind of came into play there
3: <clears throat> okay yeah um, it just stop me when I go too far <laughs> oh no we got
0: plenty of time uh,
3: when Jim was across the street and what he affectionately called the uh, hole in the wall um, I went in there and I was with uh, a fake idea I think I was playing the crazy horse and rolled through town needing <clears throat> a 412 and he had one in there and I offered him way too little money for it you know as an offer. And um, he was fresh off the road, and, um, you know, I guess my price was kind of an, an insult. I was just saying, hey, would you take three for the kind He said, get out. He threw me out of the store, and I was like, wow, <coughs> okay. And then um, a year or two later, I forgot what it was. There was an uh, ad in the paper. I, I showed up, and I got the job. I worked for him for about a year, and then uh, I asked him after a year of working there, of course, once my feet were, you know, grounded, I guess you'd say, <clears throat> and he loved me. And you know, at that point, basically, uh, I said, you remember throwing me out of your store uh, when you were across the street? He goes, no, did I? He goes, I said, yeah, 412 cab, Offer for you, 300 bucks. He goes, man, I don't remember, so many customers, you know. But we, we got a, a, a good laugh out of it. Yeah. Um, and I had a little bit of experience from Christie Music. <clears throat> Funny story, um, the manager was selling cables. He was getting uh, from the distributor without a license um, behind the owner's back, and he was selling cables, uh, you know, not legally. They found out about it, I'm 17 years old, <clears throat> and they said, well, we filed, fired a manager for stealing and uh, making making our profits out of the trunk of the car at gigs. Well, would you like to be the manager? I'm like, yeah, sure, whatever. I mean I, I saw what the guy did it wasn't hard and um you know that's the reason Jim hired me because I, I was the only guy with experience that showed up and didn't smell like pot you know at the interview Yep. Yep.
0: Yeah. crucial
3: yeah <laughs> definitely uh and then later on when he made me manager I was hiring when I hired Derek Fountain um to be my assistant manager um he was already kind of currently working there we had three or four people sh- uh, show up for the interview in the pink the Pinkstonian in the back of the store and and uh one guy with a slayer jacket and uh just totally reeked the pot, and then he couldn't understand why I didn't hire him. You know, not that I have anything against it. You know, because geez, um, you know, it's everywhere. It's everywhere. But, uh, you know, I don't think showing up for a job interview—that's all that. Uh, that's not such a good idea. You
0: know? Right. First impressions do count for something.
3: Yeah, reign of Reign of Blood Slayer. You know, shirt. I, I love Slayer, man. Don't get me wrong, but I don't think I'll be wearing that to a job interview. You know?
0: Yeah, got to come in trying a little bit harder. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
3: I mean, I, I won't be all suit and tie like Dave, but you know.
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, t-shirts. <clears throat> yeah. Uh, so, so you had more of a management role in a lot of ways there.
3: Yeah, I was the buyer, and um, you know, became the manager kind of quickly. Um, you know, Jim was he needed a break, you know, and then uh, I came along and tried to do everything that he taught me to do. He was my mentor. He was yeah, the greatest guy I ever worked for man. He really was. Um, when I first met him as a salesman, I was like, wow, you know, you know, he's a real serious, you know, shark is what we would call him. He was really good at it. <clears throat> and then when I, I learned, you know, how he really was when I worked for him, I was like, wow, this guy is just He's the real thing, you know, and uh, a great man as far as, and I'm not, I'm not going to sit here and, and go off into that tangent, but um, he was a really, uh, a, a real person. I mean, took a lot of effort and energy to do what he did on a daily basis, you know. Mm-hmm. Amazing that he did as much as he did. But, yeah, uh, management was, um, was was a lot of fun at Pink's because one of his mottos, and these guys can tell you, they've heard it a million times, is, you know, if you can't have fun doing it, don't do it at all, or you're doing it wrong, you know. Mm-hmm. And we had a blast working there, man.
0: Yeah. And what kind of experience did you have beforehand that, you know, that kind of puts you in a good position to, to be there? Well, the fact that, like that?
3: that uh, the guy named Fat Rick at work at Christie music, uh, who was a Motown backline guitar player, by the way, um, uh, that was a hard, that was a rough gig for a big fat white boy too. But anyway, <clears throat> uh, Fat Rick, when he got fired, they threw me in the fire. And I was the buyer for the store, um, really unexpectedly, you know, I had to put stock in the, in the store. And that was one of the reasons Jim was interested in, Getting me in, you know, as the manager or hiring me because you know, I actually knew what the needs were, so to speak. Mm-hmm. Of course, he taught me the rest. You know, I was a little shy at ordering in the beginning. He was like, We're gonna sell a lot more than five of these, you need to order like 20 next time. you know? <laughs> Yeah, and uh, the amount of traffic that would come through Pinkston's, you know, the, I, I got in in the 90s um, before the addition when he was across the street and then he added on. I was before that, and um, it was he and I that worked that store only. And it was, I mean, he, he would look at me at the end of the day, I look at him. We just kind of shake our heads and laugh like we don't know how we did it uh later we hired you know many more people but um wow traffic big time floor traffic <laughs> i had no idea i've never seen a music store with that kind of traffic yeah You know.
0: yeah and uh you know one of the we were talking about this earlier one of the big kind of topics that me and him discussed on the recording was just the changing of the industry yeah. and, you know, how that traffic was migrating to other places and spaces.
3: Yeah. Um, we, became, we became a convenience store, oddly enough, almost, you know, um, where we were, you know, if you buy a Coke at Walmart, it's X amount of, you know, whatever, a dollar, 50 cents, you, you know, you buy it at a convenience store, it's a little bit more. <clears throat> um, and the internet, you know, was cutting our throats so bad, you know, how do you compete with, with direct from China at Geek.com? you know? Uh, you can buy something for five bucks, or you can buy it from us for $5.75 and there. You know, that's when the, the customer base kind of divided to an 80-20. Twenty percent were like, oh, I'll wait and get it off the internet, you know, and didn't understand that we were a service, we were a big we were a big help. Uh, and the people that got it, they didn't mind paying the, the extra money by any means. You know, that was the 80 hmm. percent. And um, the majority, mm-hmm. and you know, luck, thank goodness it was eighty. And the reason it was eighty percent is because Jim ran his business the way that he did.
1: Service after the sale. That's exactly right. been he, saying that a lot. You
3: remember people like bought up, bought a Marshall, brought it to the gig. Something went wrong. You know, could have been either uh, operator error. You called Jim. Jim, I got a problem. You know, what do I do? Come on, get one off the, the showroom floor. Grab mm-hmm. a brand new amp, play the gig, bring it back the next day. I see nobody, that. nobody did that.
2: I don't know how many times you get a phone call i broke a string or this that and you go i'm leaving it in the mailbox i don't know who you are just leave money in an envelope and i'll trust you to pay me and that would happen so often but he wouldn't leave someone out to dry You go never. i get it yeah, never well he, was, he lived it you know?
3: yeah my goodness in, in fact the the guy that before i even met jim and worked for him billy i mean uh, billy harsberger dave was the guy who uh you know, I was like, I don't know, I don't know if I can get a read on this on the gym guy. You know, I went in there and bought a guitar, and it seemed like he was kind of a shark. He's like, man, that guy he loaned my, me an amp when it broke, and you know, he'll do anything for anybody. He's, he's the best. I'm like, okay, cool. And went back in there, and later on, you know, of course, got hired on without a Slayer jacket Enrique. <laughs> yeah,
1: <laughs> Jim, Jim Pinkston, nice guy. That's what he yeah, would
3: always say. That's exactly right. I he, a, he lived I, up to that. I wrote that too. song, and it got lost in uh, Katrina.
1: Oh yeah. yeah.
0: <laughs>
3: People, uh, Dave Devaney still and uh, Derek, you still you got that song? I don't have the song. That's a shame.
0: Yeah, I was kind of hoping you guys would have some stories about Jim or the time there. You well, know. We, we definitely
3: have stories. Yeah. Dave, you want to tell one of his road stories? No, it might. Mean, is this a rated R <laughs> show?
0: Uh, <laughs> well, they well.
1: all pretty much have the same subject
3: matter. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah. You, know, you tell one, you've told them all. Yeah, that's true. He's, he's right yeah. We'll that. we'll leave that.
3: Probably, but for the, uh, the that out. for the X-rated, X-rated audience. Yeah, I got gotcha. you. Yeah. yeah. <clears throat> So Mexico to Canada um, How many years did your dad do that?
2: God, from I think you said Forever. 17 years old Until
3: <laughs> till uh, right before it kind of started up, You know, opened up in Memphis, I guess, huh?
2: That would have been 89 Because wow. he came right off the road And here I was <laughs> <laughs> Exactly
3: He's, I remember him telling the story um, Here I was looking around at my surroundings Just off, fresh off the road Holding my, my son in my, my arms And this bell went off Ding He's like I got to go do something and he opened up a store and the rest is kind of history. Yeah. You know, I stand back and get out the way. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, he could sell pretty much anything.
1: He definitely had the mind for it. I mean, he was cut out for that.
3: The discipline it takes to, to just pay your bills and, you know, the invoices and the, the, the companies, <clears throat> you know, sending you a duplicate invoice just to see if you might pay it, you know, mm-hmm. Gibson Guitars, actually, and we won't go there, but, um, you know, $800, $800 to $1,000 invoice selling a guitar for whatever, X amount of dollars. Oh, we, he paid it already. Well, here, we'll see if they pay it again. Slide another one in. You know, he never missed a lick, and I don't think they ever got him. It's a shame that companies do that. I'm sure it's kind of lucrative. And you, if you're in the uh, pay receivings uh, department, you probably get a little kickback for that. But who knows? Yeah, that's yeah, not cool. Right. <laughs> but uh, he was on time. Man, let me tell you, <clears throat> there was times when, um, you know, our, for example, you worked at Pinkston's. your an employee there. Uh, your payday is, <clears throat> is Monday, but you're off that Monday. You know, Monday's your day off. Friday. Before the weekend, he's handing you your, your check, and you're like, wow, this is this is kind of early. He's like, well, you're off Monday. You know, never missed the lick. Always took care of his people, then, Like, unbelievably well. Spoiled, mm-hmm. I'd have to say. If you wanted to take something home and try it out before you bought it, sign it off on the clipboard, take it home, you know, as long as it wasn't more than a week and it didn't come back scratch, you were good. Yeah.
1: You so. always admired him for owning an ind- independent music store, which is tough to do to, be- to begin with, and then surviving all those years. Mm-hmm. Working for himself, you know? Yeah. I mean, it takes a special kind of person to be able to do that.
3: Even managing and being the buyer and running, pretty much running the store. Um, we'll talk about a barbecue place here in a minute. Jim wanted to open up at one time in the past.
1: Oh, that's a funny. I just story about that. Oh, do you? Go ahead.
3: Maybe you can help me out with it. Um, let's see. Long story short, uh, he got, when I started working there, he needed a break. He said, "I'm going, um, I'm going on vacation." You know, once I got up to speed, he goes, "I'm going up to Memphis. You know, I want to go to the barbecue fest." He goes to the barbecue fest. Um, should I tell him about the underwear? Go for it. Go for it. He comes back from he calls me during his vacation. He's like, "Man, I haven't taken a vacation so long. This is great. I'm eating all this barbecue on the." On the and he comes back with this this uh, holier uh, holy underwear. Let's just call it. And he says, "Put it under the counter." I'm like, "I'm not touching it." <laughs> so I get the yardstick or you know measure. Well, we won't, we won't mention a part about measuring kids for a uh, violin. Uh, anyway, so long story short, we put the we put it under there with a stick. And then we'd get reps coming in trying to sell us stuff, and it'd be aggravating him. We'd go, Ryan, show him the underwear. And he had blown a hole in it. I went up to Memphis and blew a hole in Mondo. Needed a break that bad. That that was that was what I got out of it. You know, the the reason he even brought that up or um, mentioned it and showed people was to show them that you know, hey, I finally got a vacation. Yeah.
2: It was so crazy. They were silk. (laughs) They were silk. (laughs) Right. Right. They were. Wow. Is that a whole other story? I mean, that's.
1: Mm, good, that good. must have <laughs> been some good barbecues, all I gotta say. <laughs> yeah, really.
2: I think it was the good, the bad, it was everything. It was a whole festival. He didn't discriminate that week. No, he
3: he said it wasn't one place that I discriminated. I tried, you know, each one. And uh, yeah, ever since that, that day, I've been Trying to get up to that stupid uh, they still do that festival on the river,
2: yeah. yeah. Every, every uh, Memphis in May, it's Memphis a barbecue May. fest, Italian fest, they have a music festival for for a week, and then mm-hmm. something else. Yeah, sounds like a good vacation. How far is Colorado from there? Never mind. Yeah. <coughs> <laughs>
3: yep. I gotta get my Slayer jacket pressed, here. Yeah.
2: But uh, when he would go up to visit John Pinkston, he would. Come off the interstate, grab a barbecue sandwich, not tell anybody, go see John Pinkston. And when John Pinkston's like, hey, what do you want for dinner? Hey, let's do a barbecue. Do you mind? Leonard's. Eventually, John's like, what's that on your shirt? Nothing. I don't know, nothing. And you
3: know John knew. He knew the deal. Oh, yeah.
1: So Jim was talking about starting a uh, barbecue place. You remember that, huh? Well, it's funny because the, the music store that I grew up in, in Pennsylvania, Fred's Music Shop, mm-hmm. I guess he saw the same sort of problems in, in the industry, but he opened up a barbecue shop okay. in, in, the, in within his music store, but then later uh, bought the the place next door and had his own barbecue and shop separated. That's pretty cool. Yeah. And then he later, he closed down the same year that Pinkston's closed down Oh yeah, um, and then, but kept with his barbecue shop. So I was kind of sad that year when well, at least he survived both of those one places, way. the, you know, the music stores of my
3: life closed out in the same year. <laughs> was uh, the one in Pennsylvania was the, the, the barbecue any good? I wonder.
1: <laughs> well, it wasn't, they sold uh, barbecue, like, uh, sauce and oh, stuff like that okay. and, and you know grills and things like that it was the accessories you need to uh, okay. make the barbecue not the actual barbecue itself I sell propane products <laughs> yeah <laughs> man. <laughs> oh man <clears throat> Tasty Licks Barbecue that's the the place what, oh what,
3: what city in Pennsylvania? Reading. okay I think you told me that before I forgot yeah definitely a, a, an interesting place in uh, Pennsylvania we used to have a house there for a little while but anyway that's a whole new oh thing. that's right yeah. yeah go in to buy a beer at the convenience store you gotta buy a six pack I just want one whatever
1: <laughs> but you could go to any corner in in the, in the town and get a
3: slice of pizza oh that's true and they had the little ice cream shops right oh yeah, yeah. but
1: ryan and i go way back oh most definitely
0: <coughs> do y'all go y'all are pre-pinkston right yeah, uh,
1: uh, yeah
3: definitely You
0: yeah, were are high we're high school did you go to high I, school
1: I was, you know?
3: I was probably into high school and dave was just uh you know what are you a year older than me right
1: yeah a couple yeah.
3: maybe so, um, <laughs> <clears throat> let's see, um, you, you, I'll let you, I've been talking a bunch, Dave, if you want to tell it.
1: Well, I don't remember exactly how it went, but we played
3: together mm. in, in a band for a short while. Um, the band was so. called Nor. It was incredible. Um, uh, let's see, if you don't mind me taking the, the reins here. Go um, ahead. I, his drummer <clears throat> used to teach at the Christie Music Place Society that I mentioned. And um, I, I wrote, the, I, a buddy of mine I was recording vocals with, he went offshore, he said, here, take my four track and record your first demo. When I come back, you better have some songs. <clears throat> i recorded the worst demo in the world in my opinion uh, I, if i had it now i'd laugh at it for hours probably and um somehow a copy of it through my brother got to the drummer in nor in uh, rory fashion p.i.t undergraduate incredible drummer <clears throat> and because i had the tiniest bit of awful writing um i guess you could call it experience i don't know if i call it experience then yeah. um somehow he i think probably pushed uh, a little harder than, he, than need be um to get me into nor and, and the next thing you know i'm i'm trying to keep up with dave <laughs> Um, neoclassical, Racer X, Paul Gilbert, uh, arpeggios, and uh, harmony, you know, sweeping. You that was know. a lot of fun. Well, it was for you. <laughs> well, <laughs> he'd, show, he'd show me something, I'd play it back for him immediately. And then, and, um, well, almost immediately. And then the song would come up, and right we'd come up to that part, and i oh, man, I forgot what it was. It was you know, something I wasn't familiar with. So he sent me home, and uh, this is where Dave pointed me in the right direction, and um, I'm definitely eternally grateful for that. He handed me a couple of videos, to, uh, really good, you know, instructional videos for guitar, there's a thousand of them. There's probably five that are good he handed me the you know did all of the weeding through all of the bad ones and hand me was it Paul Gilbert rock chops I think oh, yeah. a bunch of good stuff and um, after that I was just you know the rest is history um, you know played a few gigs I was in an opening band that used to play uh, before Noor. What was? The, tell the story about the loudness gig do you remember that? Crazy Horse, uh, Loudness, was supposed to play. If, if anybody doesn't know who Loudness is, they're a, there's a Japanese group, right?
1: Oh, a great band. They rub A guitar rops. player, Akira Takasaki. Ah, is yeah. the, and, great
3: guitar player. And, and supposedly, I, I guess, I think they looked. I forget what happened. I think they looked at the horse and said, we ain't playing here. <laughs> well, can you, can you blame him <laughs> nah, for No, I can't. And whoever booked it must have been really doing a good sales act. But uh, um, walking more crazy nights. Nice. But um, they, uh, <laughs> they said, we got in an accident. We can't make it. Uh, I had opened up for Noir Friday night. And Saturday night, Loudness was supposed to play. Well, obviously they didn't show, and I get a call, I'm in Bay St. Louis, and uh, let's just say I was in the middle of a party, and I wasn't, didn't, think, didn't, didn't think I had to, you know, to play Saturday. I'm like, oh, we're off Saturday, let's, man, let's have a good I time. I was at home practicing. Yes, he was, <laughs> doing the right thing.
0: <laughs> I just love that, let's just say I was at a party, <laughs> <laughs> uh, to be
3: safe. I was not prepared, I can tell you that, for a, for a, a gig, and um, anyway, they say, hey, can you do it? And my drummer tells him yes, and the next thing you know, I'm in a truck, and they're driving me up there to, to do the gig again, that was a lot of fun. But no roundness, they didn't, they didn't show.
1: But then Nitro played there, Michelangelo, oh, yeah. or Michael Badia, whatever his name is. The they, two, played,
3: they played there a couple times. I, I missed that one too, two neck guitar. Um, I guess he kept it, you know, both next sustaining. you know, whatever. He actually, and he's, he's
1: an amazing guitar player. Oh,
3: he definitely is. He's, he's one of my, my picking guys, you know, like straighten my picking up. Paul oh, Gilbert is yeah. definitely the first, yeah. It was that whole, <clears throat> not to get technical about guitar stuff three notes per string every other string you do alternate instead of doing downs every time
1: right it's not economy picking strict alternation. exactly
3: but he could do it all oh that ain't great I mean two neck yeah. guitar making them both work come on <laughs> I can't do it yeah that. a little excessive the, the, I mean
1: how do you compete against that <laughs> well
3: you know you got the guy from Cheap Trick you know how, yeah. many, how many neck guitars does he have seven or ten who knows? but he's not
1: playing them all at the same time and, and he's
3: not the greatest shredder you know but he's you know Cheap Trick's awesome though, yeah uh, lot of, lot of feel. Then you got a guy with two necks that I can actually play, you know. In counterpoint.
0: <laughs> so what other stuff do you play?
3: <clears throat> um, let's see. Um, I'm in the blend currently. Now we uh, we do you know stuff here on CPR, but we also do classics. Uh, you know, we do Jerry Rafferty, that kind of things. And um, you know, of course, we, we blend it, which means we do it our own way, and it's uh, it's a little more exciting than watching a band play Mustang Sally, Comfortable Tonight, and um, Wow. I don't think I could do that. My brother's been in a group uh, for 23 years. And he, he's always had these, those songs on the list. I don't think I could do that for very often. I'm not vomiting, but um, <clears throat> anyway. Do people still want to hear those songs? Let's see.
1: Like I wrote, Wonderful Tonight and Wonder, Feeling Alright?
3: As a matter of fact, well, let's, let's talk about Wonderful Tonight. There's um, some different lyrics, some Weird Al kind of lyrics that uh, oh, Don, Don Melvin came up with about turning the gas stove on while his wife was sleeping and then he wanted ah. to blow up the house. Uh, that was oh, way, way cool. But um, I don't, I don't think I could stomach it, man. Uh, you, old standards. We'll play some old standards later.
1: <laughs> I mean, you know, maybe back in the 70s and 80s, there, there were good cover tunes to play, but now?
3: Mm. They've they run them into the ground, you know. It's crazy. But anyway, the blend is um, is basically the, the different, you know, we, we have the different list, let's just say. <clears throat> um, in the beginning, it was a little hard getting, you know, uh, clubs to book us now. We have more we, more than we could stand, pretty much, um, with Kirk's boat racing. But, um... And, uh, I'm still into the, the neoclassical. Uh, you know, I, I warm up with it. Um, I'm not the uh, affluent fluent uh, jazz player that Dave is. I hope to be one day. <laughs> I'm, I'm still trying to, to be that. <laughs> I don't know. It's pretty darn good to me, man. <laughs> I haven't checked out the trio yet. The uh, the Dave Nord trio. I need to do that.
1: Yeah, we have a quartet too. We add saxophone. Okay. So we're doing a couple gigs with Mac McGee. Is that the sax player? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Normally we play with uh, Curtis Gommels. Okay. And that's it's a lot of fun.
3: Definitely. The videos I've seen, um, either Facebook or YouTube, is really good stuff.
0: I
1: appreciate that. Oh yeah.
0: And you have a, you have a studio too.
3: I have a small studio, Prime Effect Studios. Um, that's an old, terrible name that just kind of stuck. <clears throat> um, it's the smallest. This, this is what I said. The smallest, most productive. It seems like studio around. Um, small. You know, it's a one room in my garage. Uh, soundproof, pretty much. And you know, if I was having a heart attack at 3 a.m. screaming. Help, nobody would know. The kick The kick drum does protrude through the walls when my wife sleeps a little bit. But, um, yeah, it's been keeping me busy. Um, you know, we lost um, to Daryl Brown uh, a year, two, three years ago. Uh, really great. An icon on the coast for recording people. And then uh, I guess all of his clientele found out about me. And um, it's been like, hold on for dear life. Yeah. Yeah.
0: yeah. And so that's one thing I wanted to ask you all is, like, what kind of projects you have ongoing uh, so I imagine that takes up a lot of your time huh and yeah. then you have the the repair mm-hmm. studio
3: as well mm-hmm. um at the North School of Music Ryan's Guitar Repair yeah, yeah. Uh, there's, there's an interesting story about that actually um you know initially Jim when he retired was going to open up school band rental in the front of the store and section off the store mm-hmm. <clears throat> and I was going to have Ryan's Guitar Repair in the front at the front counter and you know things uh, obviously turned for the worse unfortunately from a my good buddy and mentor and um you know, I was, Dave and I were talking. He had a repair, he had a gig that night, needed a jack change or something like that. I said, Come on to the house. <clears throat> you know, we were talking, and uh, he says, You need to come by and, and uh, take a tour of the School of Music, you know, next week if you can. I said, All right, I'll try, see what I can do. I was a little, you know, like a week, maybe an extra day or two. And he said, Hey, are you coming by? I said, Yeah, I'll, I'll come by in a day, you know, next day or so. <clears throat> I came by, and Dave gives me a tour, and he goes to every room, uh, but the last one first, of course, and he shows me, he shows me around. This is the employee place. And the last room we get to, he goes, And this is the spot if you want to rent some space for me. That's available for you, and I was like, "What?" <laughs> uh, you know, after you know, anyway, uh, expecting it to happen and it not having it and, and then uh, he kind of uh, blessing me with that as well it was really cool, man. Unexpected. Yeah. It. Yeah.
1: It's too convenient to have guitar repair and in a north school music where you know I need to get my strings changed. I, I don't me. have the time. I'm, I'm not lazy. I just don't have the time.
3: <laughs> the truth of the matter is, he has to see me every other day. <laughs> we have a blast, I man. We're we're trying oh, to be man. positive in everything that we do, man.
0: Yeah. Oh yeah do you have anything else going on in that business because I feel like or that building rather because I feel like I've heard people singing or something like that doing vocal lessons Oh, i mean, there. it's
1: a everything it's a full blown music school I mean we, we yeah. teach everything uh, we just got a new uh, cello teacher Bobby Lewis uh-huh. and he has he starts teaching officially tomorrow
3: nice Dave what all do you have you got vocals cello everything strings
1: woodwinds brass guitar bass drums uh, piano vocals Bruce Garner, right? Yeah, Bruce Garner <coughs> teaches woodwinds and brass. And so you um, got a violin, somebody violin, violin and violin. cello. Mm-hmm.
0: Get with you, James yeah. on that violin, right? Now that I know, I mean, I can help. Somebody. Does anybody here have experience with violin? Uh, I've got. I asked because I have a family member who's interested, <laughs> and my little brother used to play a little. And there's just something about it. I've always thought it'd be kind of cool and interesting, kind of deterrent from the rock and roll yeah, instruments, you, you know, awesome. drums and guitars and bass and all that.
3: The first two months it's going to sound like someone is uh, choking or trying to annihilate or, or kill a goose, but after that point it gets a lot <laughs> yeah, better. Yeah, that's
0: a
1: fact. <laughs> yeah.
3: And it, um, as long as that person has decent pitch and they can hear when something's you know in or out of tune, they got it. Um, uh, you know, uh, who's our guy that, that teaches violin over there?
1: Uh, Sean Harding. Sean Harding. We also out? have Ariel Palady. Oh, do you really?
3: Yeah. yeah. Wow, that's, I, I kind of slide in in the evenings towards the late time. <laughs> I don't get to see everybody, but uh, he has everybody. I mean, um, every instrument that you could think of maybe the pan flute even I don't know North School of Music they got it I I had no idea when I first started there that he covered all basses it's great
0: yeah yeah I I started out
1: I mean actually I didn't start out on violin but I mean I did try learning violin it's very hard even if you've been playing guitar for quite a long time
0: I was going to ask did anything from guitar translate over to that instrument finger
1: positioning sort of you know knowing how far to spread your fingers to get the right note Mm -hmm. because of a fretted instrument you kind of have a better idea about where the notes are yeah. Other than that, it's a non-fretted instrument, so you have to be really super accurate with your finger placement to get the right pitch,
3: and be able to know if you're out of uh, out of tune, you know, uh, hitting the wrong note. Right.
1: And then bowing is a whole other animal. Yeah. Getting a good, clean bow and rosining good, it properly. Yeah. yeah. <coughs> you're going to get. Any that sounds, sounds like there.
0: some blacksmith stuff, like rosining <laughs> it. <laughs> or, uh, yeah. Charlie, yeah, I mean, it's a, a, it's Daniel definitely a craft, out. you know, It's like, yeah. a whole
1: craft on the other side aside from playing the instrument. You know, there's yeah. always other things you got to do.
0: So, like, uh, as a new student, does usually the instructor or or you know, they usually go somebody to learn bowing or rosining it and all that stuff. I mean, do you usually have to learn how to do that properly? Is it yeah? I think like that's, tuning any other instrument it just takes time and it's you know, up to the teacher them?
3: though. Yeah, I would think the teacher would, would show you that part, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Maybe that's their job. That's
1: what you're paying them to do. You right. Know, One to
0: learn
3: everything about the instrument. A recommendation I do have for beginners is um, uh, perfection pegs. You know, uh, the old school way of doing it. You got a, a piece of wood into another piece of wood, and you try to get it close to where you're in tune. You push it in, and it's off, and you fine tune it. <clears throat> it takes like youngsters or even an adult a long time to tune the, the violin. You know, if, but perfection pegs is like tuning a guitar. Yeah. It's a little different. It's kind of a mechanism. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's great. Saves your... It's having to pull the peg out, tune it,
1: and then put it back in and make sure it's in all the
3: way. it slips.
1: Uh, That's (laughs) time-consuming and frustrating.
3: Yeah, you know, I was supposed to practice an hour, but I I tuned my my violin for 30. minutes. (laughs) That's what it's like.
0: Yeah. So, um, going back to Jim, do you guys, do you feel like he would have been successful opening up another business? You know, if he had, you know, had the chance to just take up a new you know a new exciting turn because he, he seems like the kind of guy who would have who would have jumped in and tried something different
3: yeah he, uh, he would have been successful at anything he did i can tell you that um at pretty much anything yeah he, he was and he was more personality in, in one finger than you know everybody you'll meet is, it seems like um when he was talking about doing the barbecue place when i, I kind of took over and was running pinkston's and he was older than gibson and and actually getting time to himself um that would have been totally successful He had it figured out, you know, open up for certain times, certain hours, certain days, you know, and after this many pieces is gone, it's gone, you know, kind of a thing. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, if you've never had Leonard's barbecue out of Memphis, Jim used to, when he'd go to Memphis, he'd bring the rub back and the sauce. They wouldn't ship it to him. He begged him, you know, ship it to him, you know. Anyway, now you go in Walmart, and is it Heinz? Who's got it, uh... The owner of Leonard's signed uh, off and and had uh, okayed the recipe for one of the the larger manufacturers who's got a barbecue sauce in everywhere on all the supermarkets and Walmart. Let um, us know
1: what what that is.
3: And for how how many years did we hear about Leonard's? You know, and Jim, anyway, he's like, it's the best. Um, He would smoke uh, pork shoulders in the back uh, of the store, and for the employees and friends, he'd have a Memphis barbecue, which was, you know, a bun, coleslaw, and some hot, pulled pork and uh you know it had to be pulled pork certain little things that you know if you try to do it differently that's not that's not right you know he knew yeah. he knew the business let's just say yeah and it was good mm. the only bad thing is you only got one sandwich but you know yeah it was, it <laughs> yeah. was that good so i think we would have been totally successful that
2: yeah yeah well here's a wild one his latest thing he was talking about wasn't actually doing barbecue he wanted to open up a hot dog stand like one of the lucky dogs and he just wanted to pretty much set up in downtown Gulfport and just, like, talk to drunk people, hang out, <laughs> and, you know, just serve winners.
3: At this point, you're like, Dad, whatever you want to do, right?
2: Oh, yeah, he's like, you know, those barbecues seem a lot like work, you know. I, I just want to show up in my little car, and I feel like Billy Hughes would hook me up. Like. <laughs> New aquarium's going up, and there's Jim.
3: <laughs>
2: Man. I think I
0: remember him talking about that on the podcast, actually. He's like... You know, talking about um, building businesses to scale, and it's talking about you know overhead, inventory, yeah, mm-hmm. uh, renting costs, and all this kind of stuff. And then I think he said something to the effect of, "You go down to the this st- with your little thing, and you you've got the hot dogs, and how much do the hot dogs cost versus you know you charge two dollars, five dollars, whatever? Mm-hmm. You know, uh, who's the smarter businessman?
2: Yeah, <laughs> <coughs> well, for him, I think." He, he was really into it For the stories Like I feel like If a little longer He would have been An Uber driver Just He loves chatting With people mm-hmm. Oh yeah he Definitely <laughs> have the gift man. Yeah. And he
3: was the guy That would pull And, and I, I learned A little bit Of you know of this craft To get pe- more things Out of people Than they would ever Expect to mention <clears throat> You know The weirdest conversations Man you know um, We just had a way Of directing things You know In the music store Basically You know If you didn't uh, If they, you walked in the, in the door And you were regular And they didn't Give you a hard time Something was wrong you know, and, and I mean that in a, in a happy kind of way, joking kind of way, <clears throat> but the stories and the and the things we heard and the the direction we would point the conversations in with the customers is unbelievable. You know, musicians, what are you gonna do? Taylor Roberts got the worst of it. Plunger boy, yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry. Um, that guy really, in the last two or three years, has really uh um, come up a bunch of steps in my book he's he's kind of become a man you know he, you know oddly enough um yeah he took it? lessons from me oh yeah definitely
1: he was another student turned employee at pinkston's <coughs> no. but i always recognized his talent for songwriting his uh his, when he was like 14 15 it, years old
3: it, well it's probably because of you that and he's where he's at but <coughs> arranging and, and writing i gotta give i have to agree he's really good man
1: I made it a point to really let them know because if you don't tell somebody, they might not ever know or have the have the opportunity to really explore their talent. Mm. But yeah, I feel an obligation to tell my students who I feel who I have really a good talent.
3: This is where your strong points are.
1: You're talented. You can do this. You know, work hard at and, and do it. Mm. And, and he, he's one of the students that was really talented, especially with songwriting. And I would just hated to see that talent go to waste. You know,
3: and he definitely gave you props, man. Most definitely. Yeah, he, uh, he's like got a lot to do. Okay.
0: What does he do now? Does he play around here or?
3: Uh, let's see. He was in Wildfire, which became Wi-Fi, <clears throat> and then I think they've um, either stopped or taken a break. And he moved to is it
2: Idaho, Indiana, I guess. Ohio. Ohio. I oh, yeah. he's, he's got an interview with Sweetwater Music tomorrow. Yeah. I believe. <clears throat> and
3: um, I see I'm I'm the reference on that and uh, uh, long story but won't go into that but uh, I'm, I'm hopefully hopefully we'll get it um, Sweetwater you a know, really big company, and anybody deserves it, it's him. I told him, I said, man, this is what I'm going to tell Sweetwater when they they contact me. You know, when the sale would would try to be completed, most guys would close the sale and be done with it. There's nothing wrong with trying to move somebody to the next level if it's something that you think they need, and Taylor was really good at that. You know, we never added things and and inflated invoices to where, with things people didn't need or didn't desire, or or we didn't think they needed it. But um, he was, you know, in my opinion, he was right under Jim as far as salesman, Jim, Taylor, and whoever else underneath a good closer, too.
0: And Sweetwater's a big retail music mm. place, right?
3: Uh, it's like, <clears throat> um, it's huge. Uh, uh, the virtual tour is uh, it's, it's quite, they have a studio. I mean, it's really elaborate. So, I mean, if there's a, if you have that kind of experience um, nowadays, I think that would be one of the places to go. As the Internet and, you know, everything else is kind of killing retail. Uh, when Jim and I used to talk, he, he believed that in the next, what was it, two to five to ten years, two to five years, that retail would be, you know, Pretty much non-existent, or the know.
1: shipping industry is what you should get into. <laughs> definitely,
3: definitely. <laughs> most definitely, it's a, it's hard to compete with, um, you know, God, the stuff that's out there. Really is.
0: Which may, we may see a change in now that supposedly there's this huge China-American. Trade war, Trade war that's yeah. supposedly taking a fake, which I'm way too dumb to understand
3: <laughs> all of that. They expected they expected that too, you know, part that. <laughs> right? <laughs> I kind of feel like secretly they were expecting. Well, me they write the it so complicated on purpose, you know, so you won't figure it out.
0: Yeah, and it's it's large level stuff, but uh, I guess it just remains to be seen how that will affect us. And sounds uh,
3: kind of encouraging, you know, you know, for for retail. Yeah.
2: Mm-hmm. Uh, the snowball effect started there's it no, started, there's started, no yeah. slowing down amazon <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah I mean, how many orders have i
3: placed at amazon in the last year i mean mm. ebay for me uh, until i got burned anyway we'll go there
2: oh boy, here's one of the fun- ebay you're retro <laughs> <laughs> definitely, definitely you know what
3: i learned the hard way because of being retro <laughs> yeah.
2: this is gonna get a little morbid for a second but here we go, go ahead. um when my dad passed and you know, he got cremated and everything and we're looking at the prices of the urns at the funeral home and Amazon two-day ship He's like, oh, just, You know, same thing. And, and,
3: and, and, and you know what? He had no problem with that. He was like, oh. "If you would have done it any other way, Jimmy, I would have you been upset all with luck. you." Yeah.
2: Oh, oh, and he's like, "You get to spend this much on this Max." I'm like, "Okay." Oh man.
0: Uh, it sounds like my my friend uh, from New Orleans. She says. Uh, when I die, I don't want no, you know, big ordeal and all this kind of stuff. Cremate me and spread my ashes over the levees where the dogs shit and piss. She said that's fine with me because that's where she would walk her animals and stuff. That's where everybody would walk them right there. She said just throw my ashes right there.
3: Yeah. Other than the levee part, that was pretty much how
2: your dad felt about the, you know, don't make a big stink, you know. Yeah, well, for his funeral, we just had a bunch of his stuff up and a couple of x- guitars, and you know, people just kind of filtered through and got to see each other again because the music store was like the hub for all the musicians getting to see one another and then afterwards a lot of us kind of came back and that's where we cracked a few beers and told the stories that just we couldn't tell there but when i run into random people a lot of what they tell me is god have you seen you know a b c and d i don't see anybody now that the shop is closed because i'd go in to buy a pack of strings just to see who i would run into it was so much more in the music store it really was
4: Mm.
0: And I kind of feel like, you know, he seems like he would have been a great guy to write a book on business.
3: You know, well, well, he, he had he could have two big books: business and his life, and the stories from the his being on the road and, and the having music store. You know, he could write probably five books. Yeah. <clears throat> But he could definitely write the book uh, for the, the classes on business,
2: really for real, real deal. You know, you remember Derek Caswell? Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, Derek Haswell was another one of uh, Dave's student. students that he picked <laughs> off the couch, going, "That's one that we want." And brilliant guy. He went to school yeah. for business and was picked up by Bancorp South, and now runs another big thing. Like really brilliant guy, and all through school you saw on him. The things you need to know aren't in the bookshed. The books can't keep up with the speed of business and. Mm uh they practice calling back all the time going god i learned more from you know the years <laughs> working there than i
0: did from school
3: <laughs> I've, heard, I've heard him say that yeah yeah
0: and then schools too i mean they're a business in, in themselves and that's you know something i talked to your dad about you know and the speed of which things move they're going to try to you know they want a new edition of that expensive book mm-hmm. you know so that the person has to pay more for it and uh, but then, is it is it is that book and reading through it and taking tests on it is it more effective than actual being in the store, running the numbers, making mistakes, dealing with customers, uh, negotiating? You know, all that real life experience that has a certain value to it that some would argue would exceed you know textbooks. And
3: the answer is B. Yeah, not the textbook, the yeah. real, the real deal. Yeah. Yeah.
2: <clears throat> he boiled it down to four simple steps, and I don't know how many times I go with my friends, and he beat it into our heads <laughs> like crazy. And I'm sure everybody here can recite them from memory.
3: Yeah. Uh, let's see. Find out what they need. Remove all doubt.
2: Uh, create rapport. Right, identify the need. Delete all <laughs> objections. And close the yep. <laughs> yep. He's like women, business, everything. Just four things. It's all you need. <laughs> and he was right.
0: <laughs> yep. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that a book or um, like, you know, in this era, he would have been great to have had his own podcast or Man, write a blog.
1: Well, didn't he do radio for a little while? I think he's mentioned that the college radio. Mm-hmm.
0: Oh. I heard, I heard. It I remember mentioned. that in the interview? Yeah, he told interview. me he uh-huh. did a little bit of radio stuff. I think because he definitely had that
1: personality for radio. Yeah
3: if he came in the room man, it went from dull to everybody's throwing a party and laughing and i mean it was just uh, he had an amazing uh, light when he'd walk in the room Definitely. pretty much yeah you know? there's no there's no uh, getting around it either hmm.
0: <clears throat> i'm sure in large that came from uh being somewhat fearless in in his tactics his business and having confidence <clears throat> and just like any you know artist or uh, motivated entrepreneur they want that lifestyle of of uh Knowing at the end of the day you're your own boss, mm-hmm. and whether you're just getting by or you're doing really well for yourself, mm-hmm. you know it's it's hard to take away that that feeling of uh, uh, that little bit of extra freedom that you get Become,
4: becomes addictive at times. So yeah. like I can imagine it.
2: What was interesting is at the end when he goes, I ah, I have an end date in mind for the music store. The extra freedom that that freedom he would tell people exactly what he thought like. Oh, yeah. he went from completely uninhibited in the music store to not caring at all the <laughs> that, point that's that true everyone just stopped to go I don't care if I have a customer right now I have to watch this happen <laughs> <laughs> he called it
3: the new gym yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Uh, in, in, see, in the beginning year many years ago and, and up till the, the point when he found out and he was diagnosed with cancer um you know we had let's just we won't we won't mention what part of the world, or what ethnic part, you know, it doesn't matter. We had these, these folks that it, it was accustomed to haggle in their in their country, where they would come from. There's a big community of them here. <clears throat> they come in and they want to haggle. Well, that's not really how we do it here. We're selling it at musicians' friend price. We're already taking a hit. You know, we're matching the catalogs. We're surrendering, right? It's, it's uh, way less profit than we want to make on it. Here it is. And they want to go, well, I'll give you half of that, you know. And he used to get angry, get red <clears throat> in the face, and I could see him getting angry. And I became the 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 translator, let's just say the the, the guy that would go between, and um, after he got diagnosed with cancer, they would be they try to haggle, and he go, no, this is the price you don't like it, get out. <laughs> not so many words. And of course, these people they they asked for it, you know, you know, it's it's five hundred dollars, two fifty. No, no, it, that's not how it's gonna work.
0: <laughs> I'm sure after hours was a lot of fun too. Yep. Did y'all ever? Uh... Did y'all ever like play poker or something
3: like that he used to have um, yeah. poker what was it once a week
0: I don't know how I know that but I feel like
2: he somebody mentioned a poker or something like that he would cook every week and he'd have his little traditional dishes he would go to and he looked forward to it
3: yeah <clears throat> a lot of close friends and they'd go in the back and all guys you know business owners uh, you know you wouldn't believe the the, the motley crew of, of a classy funny hilarious people that were back there you know You the know, only certain folks would, would be in this group anyway I used to try to, in my hardest, to put his iPad in his office and hit record on the audio uh, recorder just to hear the stuff that they were talking about man it was hilarious I've got some recordings of, of at least the two times I was successful where he's talking smack about me because he knows I'm outside of his office trying to record <laughs> um, and they're anyway just hilarious stuff you wouldn't believe it I think what we should bring up is um, the, the glass display case what do you think Remember? oh that was yeah. later yeah later yeah uh... Uh, I don't remember which friend business owner it was one of the guys that played cars with him he owned a retail place that closed or whatever he came across this really nice elite wait 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 hmm?
1: this is the guitar that Elton John played for piano
3: <laughs> right <clears throat> um, he gets this big dis- this glass display case and we're like what are we going to do with it you know put the most expensive guitar and he goes no he goes we'll see so we, we put like a hundred dollar Charvel acoustic in there, and and uh, I was on the Photoshop master is what they call me, but uh, I don't know where to, where they where you get that from. But he's like I want this is the next one. Is we're gonna say that Neil Armstrong played this guitar and we're gonna put it in this in this display case on the moon on the moon, <laughs> and, he, and he wrote Dark Side of the Moon on it right, when he was man. there. And we, we we I photoshopped Neil Armstrong with a guitar. I you know put, take the glove, cut it out, and you know strumming the guitar. You would not believe. 70 to 80 percent of the people that would walk up and read the photoshop poster would go oh my god and take pictures of it and stand next to it and take pictures and we're like really and we'd let them in on it you know like this is just kind of a joke oh okay um let's see i can't remember half the other ones we we did one with you know unfortunately when prince passed um i photoshopped jim's head on prince and you know, with the stratocaster and gave him some curly hair and that, that kind of flew for a little while um we had we had like probably 10 or 12 just we could not believe people believe it you know what i mean
1: Le- the legitimacy of glass cases, and that's, yeah. that was
3: the deal. You know, I'm, this is a valuable thing. I'm it used... worked.
1: I mean, I had students come in all the time. Hey, was that real? Man? <clears throat> how many
3: laughs and hours of, of happiness that we got out of that stupid display case? <laughs> Never put anything in there that we were going to sell ever. Yeah, I think I have a couple of photographs of some of those somewhere. Yep, I think I got some. Drive. Of the, the, you got some of the Photoshop uh, posters, I'm sure too, huh?
2: Maybe all this stuff is so scattered.
3: <laughs> <laughs> I'd love to get some pictures of that. Oh, you know what? I got the Photoshop. Um, in the uh, files, I'll, I'll have to do that and you know, put that together. Some funny stuff, good times, yep. always.
0: I wanted to ask you on the repair side what other kind of stuff do you do, you <clears throat> know, besides guitars?
3: Um, pretty much anything stringed. Um, and after Mexican flute, uh, Mexican flute, excuse me, I, I've been known to play the pan flute. Um, <laughs> Zamfir's greatest hits, but uh. Uh, let's see. Any you know? Uh, I'm working on a tube amp right now, doing a a mod on it. You know, and it's so twenty. You do
0: your amplifier stuff?
3: No, nah, okay. Let's see. We I'm pretty much doing leaving that the DC Ladner. Um, I am. If you want to make an appointment or drop off with me, any any amp repair that you need, tube amp uh, preferably. Um, I'm pretty much connected to DC, and he and I we're talking about that. Um, so if you do need, you know, if you have the need for it, you can call me. Let me know. I'm on the uh, Facebook and as well. <clears throat> um, you know, anything string that you know. I'm uh, not trying to get too elaborate and, and expand too much, and I'm not really um, doing too much retail, but um, so far, so good. I got a five-star rating on my repairs and all unsolicited. I couldn't believe it. I put up my LLC page probably a week ago, and five or six people on their own did uh, really, really cool stuff. Um, I was blessed, man. There was a gap in between you know, Pinkston's and opening up my shop where people sought me out and, and just you know helped me more than I would ever have expected. You know, I'm definitely blessed. The clientele from Pinkston's, you can't beat it, you know. It's, you know, awesome stuff. You do good work. I try. <laughs> you know, I, I tell You one.
0: must. He put you in his his house, so
3: <laughs> Yeah, definitely. Um and, and that's just, that was the thing about it, Jim. If you weren't up to par, Jim, we wouldn't have you. Yeah. You know? Yeah. But uh, and one of his mottoes in life, keys like, to success was surround yourself with people who are positive and that are doing and, and encouraging and helping you, not hindering you. you know?
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Yep.
2: You know his birthday is uh, next Friday? Is it really? Well,
3: yeah. Okay. We're
2: coming up on it.
3: <laughs> How will you, uh, say, well, 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 I don't even know his age. You would never tell me.
2: <laughs> he was into his 60s. 1954, <clears throat> maybe? I had to memorize it for a little bit. Like when I would, like have to call these people after the past, like, what's his birthday? I'm like, I don't remember. <laughs> <Hold on>. <laughs> <laughs> I barely remember mine.
3: <laughs> the amount of responsibility that you've... Uh, Succeeded with and uh, has been thrown into your lap, sir. I will give you total props, man. I'm, you are yeah. you are all
2: that. Oh, w- it was insanity. You know, you're talking about all the small goods and stuff coming in. I would go to the music store in the mornings and have probably three hours and five inches thick of all the different retailers and stuff coming through. And I'm looking at it, knowing that. For six months or so, heading up to that, he was closing things out left and right, yeah. only imagining when that store was full steam ahead in the 90s and everywhere else, like, <laughs> how does anybody keep up with that? <laughs> you, you, you hire a guy who only orders
3: and specializes in uh, counter sales and, and uh, small goods, and that was me. Wow. And, and as soon as you get it down and everything gets a little easier, they change programs on you. Yeah. <sighs> the, uh, the distributor always wins, and the manufacturer always wins, and then they... Pretty much put it to the uh, the brick and mortar, which is another reason why uh, a lot of closing is going on with music retailers. You know? mm. We're going to change the plan to where you have to buy 10 grand. Okay, well 10 grand we did last last quarter, that's fine. But you you have to order this amount of small goods from us, and, which never sells. You know, um, love Fender guitars, Fender strings don't sell. You know, they do to a small percentage <clears throat> compared to Ernie Ball and Diodario, It's just you know, it's pales in comparison, you know and then and before you can do your fender guitar order you have to buy x amount and accessories wow you know this stuff will never sell i'll walk by it every day and wave at it for 10 or 20 years and, and uh um, there's jim's money <laughs> well jim got to the point where he's like we're not doing that anymore you know so i i was the guy who had to kind of play strong arm or you know play hardball with some of these uh distributors but it was fun i had fun with it learned everything from him too. <laughs> do you
2: remember Gibson when he threw them out?
3: He he came to me and said, "Ryan, what do I do?" I said, "Get rid of them." He goes, "What do you mean? It took me so long to get this prestigious line." I said, "Jim, you got 250,000 or more and Gibson's hanging in the store now. They they not only asked for their 50,000 or whatever it was buying, they came back for another $20,000, And he goes, "What do I do?" I said, "Get rid of them." He goes, "Really? I can't do it." I'm like, "And in about a week or two weeks later, he did. He kicked them out."
2: Yeah, yeah. it was not only the price amount that was insane. He goes, "We're going to pick your pieces." And oh, he yeah. goes, "Oh yeah." You don't know my market? <clears throat> yeah. Where are you located? Is it Gulfport? <laughs> are you, you're not spending my money. <laughs> this is my money. <laughs> you just got junk, you're trying to move, and you're not dumping it here. <laughs> So
0: did he just like did he just move the inventory, like send it back or what no, did you what did he do with the inventory? You
2: would have to renew your uh, dealerships every single year. Yeah. So, you know, he kept what he had, but when they go, Hey, it's time for more, he goes, he you won't be coming back. <clears throat>
4: yeah.
3: <laughs> well yeah, they hit him with the normal yearly fifty and then he came back for twenty, twenty five more. <clears throat> and I think he was entertaining it, you know, and he was thinking about it. I was like, No. I said, You know how two hundred fifty grand up in the you know, hanging up there, plus the seventy, you know, you're not gonna sell these other parts. And uh, you can just wave at your money as it you know doesn't earn any interest every day hi money
1: they did have these other music stores backdooring the very product that you bought the dealership for in that sure. region
3: and then so. later on ebay selling uh things that they claimed weren't new so they didn't have to fit between the guidelines this is a map pricing <clears throat> you're let's say you're hypothetically whatever x brand x dealer they say With these guidelines you cannot sell the map pricing is 750. well if it's new, you can't sell it for seven fifty. But if you claim that it's been used for a week and it's a used item, you can sell it for seven. So here's a brand new looking whatever X brand X guitar next to the you know, and you're selling it for hundred dollars cheaper. You can't compete with that. But yet if you sell it for the same low price, you're going to get uh, fussed at, and your dealership could be removed and whatever. Mm.
2: Yeah. So there's like an online loophole.
3: Mm-hmm. Yeah, that yeah. too.
2: My favorite was uh. We found out that Guitar Center, I think it was, got one of these uh, Christmas packages cheaper than we could buy it for our cost.
4: Oh, definitely. And so we drove it. over <laughs>
2: there and bought a bunch of them and <laughs> and took pictures and sent a dealer going, I got it cheaper than you can give it to me. It's <laughs> a shame. Got like half a dozen packages yeah. that way just to prove a point and go, You want to keep screwing with me? <laughs> selling it be-
3: below his cost. Wow. Amazon did the same thing later on, too. Yeah. <laughs>
0: So he, he seemed to be a pretty big fan of Ibanez guitars, too.
3: Hoshino and Ibanez, we sold tons of. Um, yep, great product, and it's a lot of bang for the buck. Yeah. A good good company to deal with. You know, straightforward, you know, consistent. <clears throat> I own six myself.
2: Yeah, I own several. Well, yeah. it was, yeah. Ibanez, I think, was the pinnacle change in the marketplace. when he, We went from Gibson, and we are building all the casinos, and we had all this income down here to ooh, things have changed, and now we're moving to that mid-level market, yep. and Ibanez plugged it up, but they had the prestigious. They had access to everything. Yeah, they
3: cover all bases, and there's no um, stupid things in the line. They're very concise, you know, <clears throat> well-run.
0: Are they primarily known for their electrics, or do they put out some... How are, how are their, acoustic their acoustics? Their
3: acoustics have uh, steadily been climbing big time. <clears throat> um, and again, you get a lot of value for the money. Um, they, they put out, what was it, a... Um, it wasn't a 12 string it was an 8 string you know 6 with 2 doubled up on the top or the, oh, or the yeah. bottom um, just really good product in the beginning their acoustics weren't all that great you know trying to get in the market but um, they've definitely climbed up you know anything $800 and below is, you, you feel like you're getting $1500 to 11 you know value well
2: and
3: they're also Tama Drum same company
2: oh okay oh, she
3: know, yeah, good stuff I
2: didn't know that I think my first real real guitar was an Ibanez really it, it was crazy he uh caught up the Ida, Ibanez rap and goes this is what my sons getting for Christmas and you guys are paying for half yeah and he did
3: <laughs> we had guitar <laughs> contests locally uh for years um I hosted one of them and uh, after getting some dental work done that's a whole nother story but <laughs> wow uh I, you try to get the kids ready okay you ready to go right and I'm gonna I'm gonna talk for a little bit and then I'm gonna say okay here's Johnny and they they always have something explode or you know come, anyway okay you ready nothing Cricket, 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 cricket. I just have to, you know, fill that time and, and be exciting. Wow, <coughs> after getting your tooth pulled out, not a lot of fun. But um, Ibanez, we we told him, hey, we're having another contest this year. What are you going to do for us? Uh, we'll uh, we'll donate this guitar. You know, it's, the value of the guitar, if you bought it, um, would be five, four to five hundred dollars. You know, and they would actually donate it, which was great. Yeah. I remember the copper penny of the, the penny colored Ibanez that we did that year. It was, uh, I was like, man, maybe I should get in this contest. And that year, Buckethead won. <coughs> it wasn't the actual Buckethead. It was a guy who was real nervous. He's like, "What do I do?" I'm like, "Just relax." You know, you, you got an hour before you go. on. he goes, "I got to do something." He comes back. He's eating some chicken. I'm like, "What are you doing?" He goes, "You want a piece?" I got to get rid of this chicken. I, I don't want to throw it away. <clears throat> I'm like, "I'm MCing. I don't need grease." You know. He, anyway, he gave, fed the whole place. I think it was Kirk's House of Rock that we had in a forty-nine that year. And uh, he gave out all the chicken. And, uh, and I see him wiping it out. And I'm, you know, I'm trying to MC, and he's side stage. And he goes, "I'm putting this bucket on my head. I want you to introduce me as uh, some version of Buckethead, but not actual Buckethead." And he, he actually won. You know. It wasn't the best player, but he won.
0: Probably all the grease on his hands better slide. You don't need
3: you know. exactly. You don't need fast red. <laughs> yeah. I'm playing my probably next.
0: had some really greasy hair after the end of it though. <laughs> <laughs> he's tried to shake my hand. I was like, "Knuckle bump." <laughs> uh, Buckethead. That's a guy I have. I've never really done a deep dive on.
3: Mm-hmm. Um He like. I know one thing. He likes a, a kill switch. He, he must mess around with that a lot. And uh, he's got some weird techniques. I'm into, uh, lately it's been Bumblefoot, you know, Ron Bumblefoot. Mm-hmm. Uh, with stif- the Thimbles, what is it? Ron Thaw. Ron Thaw. Yeah. <clears throat> um, he had thimbles and uh, fretless guitars and, you know. Incredible player. What's it called? Bumble? Bumblefoot. Bumblefoot. Bumblefoot.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Buckethead's a, just a great guitar player. I mean, he mm-hmm. does some really crazy finger tapping licks that I never would even imagine. At first could... <laughs> I thought he was
3: he was kind of a, a spoof and a, a come and go kind of thing, but later on uh, I, I saw that he, he actually did it. You know, a lot of it. substance. Yep. Yeah.
1: Actually one of his albums that's my one of my favorites is one that features him playing acoustic guitar more more so than anything really? else. I didn't know a lot of it. really cool laid back music.
3: You you can play an acoustic with a bucket on your head? Yeah.
1: I sure. didn't know that. He he mastered it. <laughs>
3: I'll have to check that one out. Um I actually been wanting to find it. But it's not a,
1: there's not a whole lot of shredding on it. <laughs> like there is isn't most of his albums but it's a lot of really just good music.
3: Well, like you said, substance. I mean you don't you're not gonna make it for a long time, you know, if you if you got nothing. That's for right. sure, yeah.
0: And we were talking, too, about music and, and different projects uh, that we were listening to. Is there anything on your radar as of lately that's been...
3: Uh, I'm trying not to be stuck in the uh, in the Dream Theater uh, groove that I've been in for a real long time. Uh, all right.
0: Second <laughs> second second uh, Dream Theater
3: mentioned this, this show. Try Ice Fish. Ice Fish? Yeah. It's um, Donati's band. You cut the hole and then you...
1: Yeah, exactly. But it's, yeah, you know, and there's music down <laughs> and They pulled it out and brought it you to is
4: cold. Is exactly.
3: <laughs> that? I have to definitely check it out. <clears throat> Dave's always been one a little bit ahead of the game, and, you know, thank goodness uh, they there to point me in different directions. <laughs> yeah.
1: Pandora is just a great source. You know, just when I'm working on my curriculum for the, the school or writing books and stuff, I'll just put music on, put Pandora on, just listen to everything.
0: What are some of your you favorite stations?
3: right now on Pandora. Well, good question.
1: The Ralph von Williams station is great. Um, a lot of great stuff pops up on there.
3: When you pay for the app, do those stupid advertisements go away finally? Yeah, they do. Okay, yeah, I yeah. think it's like four bucks a month I'm doing you get it. Rid of the advertisement. <laughs> it's worth every penny. Yeah, it is. They're kind of annoying. Yeah. Yeah.
1: But when I when I turn on Pandora lately, it's just been that radio station that's consistently like the results.
3: Hmm it's not like local with the same 12 songs rotating yeah that's a good thing some of the same stuff still pops
1: up but it's the same stuff that I like to listen to what's wrong with that (laughs) but uh like Yo-Yo Ma plays Ennio Morricone you know movie soundtracks that's some really good music yeah so you can get exposed to a lot of stuff pandora that you wouldn't normally be exposed to yeah
3: and as long that uh, the exposure is uh you know good stuff you know it sounds like it is like really good stuff i can't you know something with substance to it
1: well i don't know if you try lady gaga radio i don't know where that we're takes actually,
3: you but <laughs> we're actually doing a um a cover that Hailstorm did um we're adding it to the list i think this week uh and you know if you ever would ask me 2010, 5 years anyway any point in my life if i thought i'd be playing any lady gaga i would be like no never <laughs> I will never do the Alejandro ever. <laughs> no. we'll, try, we'll put that one right under Mustang Sally.
1: But for the record, she's very talented.
3: Oh, definitely. You know what? When she fired that one producer and uh, writer guy, and, and he said she'll never have another hit, and like a month later she did. I, was, right. I guess he was wrong. Yeah. It's substance there. Yeah.
0: <laughs> so jazz is one area that's always really tricky for me to figure out what area I want to go into because there's so many like subcategories of, of jazz.
1: Jazz is more subjective, I think, than most styles of music. I mean, everybody yeah. has a different idea what jazz is.
3: Mm-hmm. It's and, supposed to be that way, though, right?
1: Well, I mean, yeah, it's an art, but I say more so than most styles of music. Yeah, you know, there's, I mean, um, I teach jazz, I play jazz, and I listen to a lot of jazz. And there's some things that people say is jazz, and I'm like, there's no way. Yeah, there's a, it's a too wide of a.
3: Yeah, I'm, I'm, I've heard that. myself. Like,
1: you know, ranges anywhere from. Uh, like jam bands some people call jam band music in jam jazz. bands with chromatic
3: does not jazz
1: there's some jazz elements in there but is the well, considered jazz right right you know.
3: <laughs> I think when people can't describe something they often default to that and I I, that's not right yeah, I agree
2: that's the saying if you play <coughs> it wrong play it twice and call it jazz that's right <laughs> jazz gets a bad rap <laughs> sometimes it does it's with, misunderstood it's that heavy J <laughs>
0: Well, guys, I'm, I'm running low on ammo here. Is there anything uh, that we we've have failed to discuss, or
3: I can't think of anything. Uh, <coughs> I wanted to say thank you for uh, the time and the effort that uh, that you gave Jim as well as us. Now, you know.
1: yeah, definitely. Thanks for doing the interview with Jim because I really enjoyed listening to it. I mean, time, learned
3: a lot. Timing is everything, too. By the way, yeah, perfect time yeah. to do it. Yeah, just got lucky. So, my question for you is. Uh, your idea, or did you come in the store and get to talking with him and it kind of
0: yeah, I heard he was retiring mm-hmm. and uh, I thought, well, I've always wanted to have a conversation like this with Jim.
3: It's it'd be an easy one, right? right
0: <laughs> right And I thought, well, if he's retiring, I don't know where he what he's gonna do or where he's going after that so my move, right? Yeah, yeah. so uh, I thought about it and I was like I might as well go in and just ask
3: and his, his reply was sure, right mm-hmm. okay, cool. Yeah, that, that sounds like Jim. <laughs> yeah,
1: it seemed like he really enjoyed doing the interview. Mm-hmm. He had a really good time doing
3: it. <clears throat> the first, yeah. ver- the first few seconds, um, you know, his, the poor guy's voice was kind of giving out, and I was like, <clears throat> you know, this this might be kind of rough for him to, to get through and, and and to do it. You know, I was kind of feeling you know worried for him, whatever you want to say. It's me being the the right under Jim guy, but um, you know, a minute or two into it, <clears throat> must have cleared his throat. It was golden, you know. And, the, uh, the stuff about the, the dentist was really, I have to say, for me, uh, one of the highlights. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. What did he say? Strong
0: opener. call me one more call time. Call me one more time, mother- <laughs> oh, I'll <that>. kill you. <laughs> uh. Yeah. I, uh, yeah, we just came in and started talking, so I knew it was, was going to be a good ride. Mm-hmm. And uh, I sure would have liked to have had more opportunities to sit down and talk to him more, <clears throat> you know. From a business standpoint, from a musician standpoint, um, just, I, he seemed like a, such a multifaceted guy. I was spoiled. And he delivered it to you with such style and flair. And you clear.
3: Know? Clear as a bell, right? Um, yeah. He had a, a way with words. Uh, him being my mentor, I was spoiled. I'll just say that. You know, Talked mm-hmm. way too much, you know, way too fast. And uh, I wish I would have listened a little bit more. You know? Yeah. <laughs> a little harder. Yeah.
0: But yeah well it was it was great having you guys on to kind of reminisce and talk a little bit more about them and kind of share uh you know your own you know what you guys do for the community the music community so i think that's pretty rad and it's good to know that you know good things have continued to come from pinkston store yeah you know as a result and uh you know maybe in the future we'll uh we'll we'll do something like this again uh is there any you guys want to leave uh know places for people to check out online to read more about what you do or get in touch with you guys if if they're you know need work or anything like that
3: let's see north school of music 2224 25th avenue gulfport yeah um what's your phone number there name
1: 228 867 1925. Ryan's go.
0: We don't get a lot of phone numbers
3: thrown out on the show.
2: That's pretty cool. Do it like a Jim Yelverton. <laughs> <laughs> How
3: about a furniture fair guy? We could do it. No, I'm not going there. We'll save you money. Okay, got it.
1: www.norschoolofmusic.com.
3: There it is. Ryan's but good. NOR is K N O R R. That's, that's right. School of Music. Uh, Ryan's Guitar Repair 228 Hold on a minute. I forgot my phone number. 228-243-7202. There it is.
0: Yep. Same building. Yep. Same location. And, James, you probably don't need people to find you for anything, huh? He's a professional, actually. I yeah, I you I, actually.
3: Who, who climbs the ladder in, a, in a, a matter of minutes, it seems like. <laughs> no, he. Had, uh, let's see, when your dad dad, um, I, I don't know if he, he meant, He's told me a few stories. I don't know if I have it correct. Uh, um, when you were younger, he said, do you want to take this over? And you said, hell no. Right? <laughs> And um and pretty much had a plan, uh you know it's genetically it's uh, it doesn't surprise me but this guy has just done exceptionally well he put himself through college, a PhD almost or
2: I'm halfway through my program I'm working on my um, thesis right now on fetishism.
3: <laughs> <laughs> Dude, next, when we go out to dinner in, in the near future you have to tell me. What yeah. <laughs> but um it doesn't surprise me that he's doing so well man you know a short short amount of time uh, out of school and just climbing the ladder steadily. And happy doing it, you know. Yeah. Just like his brother too. The runs in the family. His yeah. brother jumps out of perfectly good airplanes in the army, uh, <laughs> yeah. in, in intelligence, right?
1: And hangs yeah. out in ice cream trucks in the middle of the desert.
3: And when I met him, <laughs> that's a good place to be if you're in the desert. When I when I first met him, he used we to, all agreed. He, he used to <laughs> yank on my pants like, Mister Ryan, Mister Ryan. He asked me all these questions, and his dad, and Jim, Jim would be like, leave him alone. He's trying, he's trying to work. Like he's not bothering me. And what about this? Why this guy? He asked me all these questions. Now I talked to him. I said, so you jump out of these airplanes now? And he goes, yeah. I go, dude, you'd have to kick me. Uh, set, light my butt on fire, whatever. You'd have to really get to force me out of that plane. I'm, to get on I'm it. not right. Well, yeah. to get on it, just want, well, if I knew what I was doing, yes, yes. Yeah, so yeah. To, but to get me off, jump out of it, there's no way, man. Yeah. It'd have to be on fire. Yeah, yeah. fear of heights for sure. Yeah.
4: Mm-hmm.
3: So y'all want uh, to jump? out Go what do they call it? Uh, a, not a parasol, but uh, y'all want to do that next week? Or no, <laughs> no, not, not me. No thanks.
2: I think Jason's got a lot of my dad's fearlessness, where he's just go go go. <laughs> like last time he was here. He made sergeant in the military, and he ended up puking in the Uber. And so we made him run from the Shell Station on the all the way to the music storm, hosing them off, and he's dancing <laughs> like, I'm a sergeant now.
3: <laughs> <laughs> that sounds like it. I do remember hearing about him, uh, yeah, the, the Uber thing. That's, that's wow. hilarious. But y'all were hosing him?
2: Oh, yeah, we got pictures. <laughs> that's hilarious. I'd love to see that. Yeah. Uh, um.
0: <laughs> well, guys, I'll, we'll go ahead and close it out. So, once again, thanks for coming in. and, and Thank you. you thanks know, for having us. Yeah, yeah, it was a good time. And uh, thanks, everybody, for listening. Uh, if you want to hear more podcasts, just go to com, the podcast page. Uh, check out you know the episode I did with Jim if you'd like to get a little bit more backstory on uh, what we were talking about here. And if, uh, if you just never... Never went into Pinkston's. You never met Jim. You know, that would be a great place, I guarantee. You. You'd learn something from that interview. So uh, thanks so much. We'll catch you next time. To the people, if anybody's watching on the camera, that's a new aspect that we actually can <laughs> wave goodbye. So uh, thanks, and we'll see you next time. Goodbye. Thanks, everybody, for listening. Hope you enjoyed the show. If you want to hear more from Coastal Noise, go subscribe to the show on iTunes, Google Play, YouTube. You can put a little auto-download on so that you can catch whatever the latest episodes are. Be sure to go like the Coastal Noise Facebook page and follow on different media outlets. Of course, as always, if you want to help the show grow, please leave some comments, feedback, share an episode, It all goes to help the machine move forward. Thanks for listening again. See you next time.